The theme we're looking at today from the book of Proverbs is friends and neighbors. And we're familiar with this subject uh, today. Some people are in both of these camps predominantly, or some people are friends, some people are neighbors. Maybe you live by some of the sayings connected to these groups, a friend in need is a friend indeed, or you live by that Old Testament command, love your neighbor as yourself. Such is the importance and significance of these two groups, friends and neighbors, that TV programs have been named after them, indicating our interest in those groups. And we today consider the wisdom of this book of Proverbs regarding friends and neighbors. Think first of all of friends. The benefit of friendship has been long recognized. Lord Bacon stated of friendship that it redoubles joys and cuts griefs in half. But it's also been recognized that friendship, true friendship, close friendship is very rare. One writer says love is rarer than genius itself and friendship is rarer than love. And perhaps we've experienced that statement in our life as we look back at the true friends, the real friends that we have had. Different metaphors have been used to describe friendship and its influence within our lives. Some writers compare it to a mirror. The best mirror, one says, is an old friend. They tell us what we're really like. You look terrible today. Too many fish suppers. You need to take a day off. They're like a mirror to show us what we really are like. Or some liken friendship to to blood. And and this is an interesting statement. A friend ought to be like blood, which runs quickly to the wound without waiting to be called. A true friend sees the need in our life detects that there's something wrong with us and reaches out immediately to help us. Some liken friendship to money. Friendship is like money, one writer says, easier made than kept. And many of us perhaps in our lifetime have taken friendships for granted and have forgotten that we need to work at those friendships. People have defined friendship, though it's hard to define. Someone describes friendship as a second self. Someone who halves our burdens. Someone who's another pair of eyes on our problem. Someone that we can bounce ideas off. One definition captures friendship for us. A friend is one to whom we may pour out the contents of our hearts, chaff and grain together, knowing that the gentlest of hands will sift it, keep what is worth keeping, and with a breath of kindness, blow the rest away. As we come to the book of Proverbs, We discover that the chief concern of the book of Proverbs is 
for us to have the right friends. And so in many instances in the book of Proverbs, it's warning us about the wrong types of friends that we can have who will influence us in the wrong way. And today we want to consider uh, four groups of friends that Proverbs mentions that we are to avoid. Firstly, chapter 23, verse 20 and 21. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. In this proverb too, types of companions are to be avoided. Those who get drunk and those who eat food to the point of debasing extravagance. Both excessive drinking and eating induce slumber, the proverbs say, drowsiness that prevents us from working to our full potential. The advice here in 23, 20 and 21 is not, do not be one of them. But do not be among them, because being among them is the first step that will lead us to becoming like them. The company of such people will suck us into their behavior. Their behavior will become a pressure on us to conform to their practice. Their encouragement becomes a further pressure on us. Just one more, one for the road. I'm buying the next round will influence us to linger and adopt their practice. Charles Bridges comments, do we not insensibly receive the mold of our society? Our true love for the glutton and the drunkard is not to go on nights out with them, but to labor for their conversion. And if that is ineffectual, the proverb says, avoid them when they engage in their practices. Greenhill writes, Tinder is not apter to take fire or wax the impression of the seal or paper the ink than we are to receive the impression of wickedness. Their behavior will influence us. And the reason given here is is a further reason, not only that, that they will affect us, not only that that practice is wrong, but that the combination of the cost of sustaining a life of drunkenness and gluttony and the resulting sluggishness which excessive eating and drinking brings will lead us to poverty. That lifestyle will clothe us with rags, the Proverbs say. And so sick formers here, university students, employees, this is the time of year for parties. And we need to apply this proverb to our life. Don't end up in the company of gluttons and drunkards, the proverb says. And if you have to go to your works party, then leave early. This proverb appears in the New Testament, but is misapplied to Jesus in Matthew 11, 19. 
The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, right from our text here, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus says, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus was eating normally, but because he wasn't like the extreme John the Baptist in the wilderness with his locusts and wild honey, they called him a glutton and a drunkard. But this situation is different. This is avoiding a true accusation of gluttony and drunkenness. The second group is angry people. We're to avoid friendship with angry people. 22, 24 and 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger. Nor go with a wrathful man lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Level-headedness, self-control of our temper and patience are the biblical requirements of Christian behavior. And one way to cultivate those, to advance those, to deepen those traits is to avoid friendship with people who, as the text says, are given to anger, literally owners of anger, person of heats. This is not a person who occasionally lets off steam or blows his top, as, as we all do. But anger is his way, as the text says. And two reasons are given here for not being friendly with, associating regularly with angry people. One is that to associate with them is to put ourselves in the danger of becoming like them. Evil ways, especially when they fall in with our natural inclinations, are much sooner and easier learned than good ways. We're swimming against the tide when we are learning, or with the tide, when we are learning anger. It's easier, easier for us to learn anger than to learn humility or, or self-control. Matthew Henry comments, our corrupt hearts have so much tinder in them, that's sticks that can easily be ignited, it's the old language. So, kindlers, you know what that is, okay, sticks for starting the fire. Our hearts have so many kindlers in them that it is dangerous to be in the company of those that throw about the sparks of their passion. What he's saying is, people who are excessively angry and regularly angry, they will make us consider anger to be acceptable. But the second consequence of being friends with an angry person is that we will suffer the consequences of being angry. If we ourselves engage in, in these fits of anger regularly, we will find that there are traps, the text says, and snares in the road of unjust, uncontrolled anger. There are consequences, Proverbs 22 25 says, to being angry, short-tempered, judgmental, which the angry person does not see, does not realize, just as the mouse does not see the trap set for it. This person is oblivious to the serious consequences of her actions. And those consequences are loneliness, rejection, punishment, being despised by others. 
There are snares found on the road of uncontrolled anger and aggression. You're ignorant of these traps. If you think that your outbursts of anger have no consequences on your wife, on your children, on your work colleagues, you may rationalize that the outburst of your anger is over in a few seconds, but the impact of your outburst is lasting. A woman told her pastor that her anger was over in a few seconds. So what was the problem with it? He wisely replied, so is a shotgun blast. So beware of keeping company with a prolific swearer who expresses his anger in expletives and can't control his outbursts or a person who's always baying for a fight verbally or physically. And young people, watch the PlayStation games that you use because excessive violence and swearing will influence you in detrimental ways. One writer says, bad company is a disease who lies with dogs shall rise with fleas. You remember David saying, I'm for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Let's keep company with those who in the words of Colossians 3 verse 8 put away all anger, wrath, malice, slander. Thirdly, the discontented, Proverbs 24, 21 and 22. My son, fear the Lord and the king and do not join with those who do otherwise for disaster will arise suddenly from them and who knows the ruin that will come from them both. Hear the authority of God and the God-given authority of the king are to be respected or the government is to be respected and obeyed. We're to avoid political agitators, revolutionaries, insurrectionists, those who do otherwise, as the text says. Bishop Hooker states that he who goes about to persuade men that they are not so well governed as they ought to be shall never want or lack attention and favorable hearers. But the Proverbs warn, God and the king have great power and disaster and ruin can come to us suddenly from them. And here's a proverb for our time. When multiple national strikes and threats of strikes are widening, there are many who don't respect our government and it's easy for us to jump on the latest political bandwagon there are many who have no fear of God, no respect for his law, as empty churches testify today, or for his worship. We're not to get too close to them, the Proverbs say. We're to associate it with those who, in the teaching of Peter, fear God and honor the king, 1 Peter 2.17, and that render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. 
Matthew Henry comments helpfully here. There may be cause to change for the better. But have nothing to do with them that are given to change. And so when faced with strike action in your workplace, you would need to pray over this proverb. The fourth group are fools. Chapter 14, verse 7. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Fools are those who know God's law but do not keep it. A fool's ways are hazardous and their lips lack knowledge. Hubbard comments, if you can help such a one, fine. But the odds are long. The wasted time is precious. And the risks of being influenced, considerable. Charles Bridges, he has this metaphor uh, for us or advice for us. Uh, if we try to help someone that, that we detect is not listening, not willing to change, not willing to repent or, or, or move their ways, he says, deal with them, dispatch your business with him as in a shower of rain. Don't loiter in his society. If you're doing business with someone and it's pouring rain, you'll do the business quickly and you'll move on. That's how Charles Bridges said, deals with a fool. Try it. If it's not working, go on. So when we see the person we're counselling, debating with, teaching, unwilling to change or listen to sound reason, we leave their company, their friendship. You remember Samuel, the prophet, left King Saul. We read in the Old Testament, he came no more to see Saul. He refused to listen to the wisdom of God. By contrast to this proverb, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. So as we think of friendship today, pray for good friends. And one way to achieve this is for us ourselves to be friendly. A man who is friends, Proverbs says elsewhere, must show himself friendly. The only way to have a friend is to be one. And find friends in this congregation. Good friends who will pray for you, who will love you, who will forgive you, who will encourage you. Don't be concerned if your closest friends are Christians. Thomas Fuller advises it's best to be with those in time that we hope to be with in eternity. And don't be, don't be concerned if you have, you're closer to some people in the congregation than to others. Jesus had favorites among his 12 disciples. Recognize the value of good friends. No one is rich enough, one writer says, to be without friends. But if you struggle in your circle of friendship and you find it hard to make friends and keep friends, remember chapter 18, verse 24. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. And secondly, neighbours. We all have neighbours. 
And so this proverb again speaks directly to us. God commands us to love our neighbors. They may not be our friends, but they live beside us. They work beside us. They're in class beside us. They're our neighbors. We meet them regularly and we have opportunity to help them or to harm them. Yet loving our neighbor can transform our life. C.S. Lewis advises us, do not waste time bothering about whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. And when you're behaving as if you love your neighbor, you will come to find that you do love him. We spoke to the children about the importance of giving from the resources that we have from chapter 3, verse 27 and 28. Your neighbor comes for a cup of sugar, help to start their car, a lift to get their pension, the use of your internet or your phone. We have those things. We're to give to them immediately. To delay indicates that we're unwilling to perform this function cheerfully or generously. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Primarily, we're to give to them the message of the gospel. We have the gospel. Let us share it with others. If we struggle to vocalize it ourselves, give them literature containing the gospel. Let's be eager to give to those from the message of truth that we have. Another relation with our neighbor is not to seek them harm or injury or revenge. Chapter 24, verse 28 and 29. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. And in this set of Proverbs here, in these two verses, there are three wrong ways in dealing with our neighbor identified here. One is an interesting one, the first one, speaking the truth when you don't have to. Perhaps you look out your bedroom window one morning and you see one neighbor putting his hedge clippings into the other neighbor's brown bin. You don't have to tell that other neighbor what, what the, the neighbor's done. You don't always have to speak the truth in your neighborhood when you're not called upon to do so. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause. It's going to ruffle feathers. It's going to make relationships frayed and difficult. We're not to deceive with our lips. The second and the third, we're not to seek revenge upon our neighbor. Charles Bridges comments, Sweeter will be the recollection of injuries forgotten than of injuries revenged. Yes, their weed killer, kill your flower bed. Forget it, forgive it. Sweeter will be the recollection of injuries forgotten than of injuries revenged. And lastly, don't be over familiar. Chapter 25, verse 16 and 17. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he has his fill of you and hate you. 
culture then, the culture in Ulster is hospitable, it's kind, it's generous. But let's not abuse our neighbor's welcome. They'll become so fed up with our frequent visits, the stories that we repeat, overstaying our welcome when they have things to do, the fact that we bring nothing with us. Don't become over-familiar with your neighbor. The metaphor is great here, isn't it? There is honey. We find a massive amount of this sweet stuff, this stuff which is good for us, this stuff which transforms our colds, our minds, our health, our skin. So good, this honey for us, but we take too much of it. And what is designed to be beneficial to us damages us. And we vomit in all the good that we could have had if we'd paste it, if we'd spread it out over a, a long series of meals, is lost on us. And so in the friendship of our neighbours, let us not destroy the potential good that we could experience by over-familiarity with them. But there's one person that you and I can never spend enough time with. And that is our God. The more time we spend with him, the more delight we have in him, and the more delight he has in us, the better we become, the more we are transformed. Friends, neighbors, we choose our friends. We're to choose wisely, these proverbs say. We don't choose our neighbors. God chooses them for us. People living beside us, it's his plan that he has placed them in our street next door to us. And we are to show them God. Primarily in that second proverb that we thought of in relation to our neighbours. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay back the man for what he has done because our God has not done that to us. What we deserved he has taken and he has placed on his son Jesus Christ on the cross. All that wrath and judgment and condemnation he has set upon his son. And you and I the recipients of that love and grace are to show love and grace to those whom God in his providence has placed next door to us.